I got a bone to pick with the cinematographer. Oh, James got really angry. Um, we also did a horrible intro last Here's time. Um, I'm America. That's James. This is City Wave Cinema. We watched Xenon. Sorry for the last episode. Listen, we had a couple episodes there where we were just on fire with intros. We had to fuck it up at some point. I just really wanted to do my uh, let's watch a Disney Channel movie joke. And so I did. But that came at the sacrifice of the intro. rest of the intro. <laughs> right. Now, listen to me now. Okay, I'm listening. Xenon has arrived on planet Earth. That is where we left off, yes. She has sneezed and fallen her way down the ramp. And she's at a dock. And she has to walk across a small gangway to get onto land. It is an incline. It is an incline. And it's maybe 20 feet long. Yes. And as soon as she steps onto it, the camera starts rotating to the right so that the bridge turns. From an artistic standpoint, I think it's to accentuate how much of a struggle the incline is for Xenon to make it look like it's even steeper. Okay, as an artist, I think that's stupid. <laughs> Okay. I think that's fucking stupid. Okay. And I would like to I'd like to ask the director of photography, "Hey, why did we rotate all the way to Dutch angle and past while Xenon walked across the gangway?" I'm just I want to know why. Because not at all for the rest of the movie do we do anything unique or interesting with a camera angle or shots in any way. There's literally nothing remarkable for the rest of or the first half of the movie in any way about how it's shot. And then there's this one shot as she walks across a gangway that takes like 10, 10 drawn out long seconds where the whole it's you know how the hallway in High School Musical 3, I think, spins when Troy's and going through his dilemma. Yeah, and in Inception, when the hallway spins. Yes. Those were really interesting and cool, and this was neither of those things. It was super out of place. It was... Now, credit where credit's due. It was pretty smooth for being handheld. Uh, because you can see, on occasion, the camera would shake or jerk a little bit as it was being rotated. So it clearly wasn't being done in a gimbal system of any kind. Uh, but man, what the fuck was that about? I had a really funny thought mm -hmm. that the cinematographer, the director of photography yeah. was like, this is my moment. This is the one I'll use for my reel to like submit and show that I'm like an artist. I'm a real, I'm a real director of photography. I'm not just a Disney channel movie guy. Uh, this will be my point. This will be my moment. And that he just seized it. That's what he did. He took it. I, he or she. Oh, maybe. I don't know. It's fucking weird, though. I just said, what kind of weird ass angle was that? Um, I didn't say it was a successful attempt. I'm just saying <laughs> I could see because you're right. It is like the only one I could see him being the only artsy shot in the whole movie. I could just see him being like, this is my time. It's my moment. <laughs> and I don't understand why the artsy shot was wasted on a moment where she's just walking. It's not a poignant moment. It's not a character moment for her. She's just in despair. Can we talk about, though, how Xenon walked so Zack and Cody could run? Because, like, 
the whole first sequence of her being on like the space station with her being late to class and like riding the trolley underneath shit and just being a menace to everyone on the space station that she lives on is just Zack and Cody in space. I guess. They're also little bastards, so... I also loved them. No one, no one's getting W's here, alright? Um, especially not the school children from the local middle school. Uh, who happened to be in the location that Xenon and her aunt go for food. Uh, now, in this, in this brief interaction, uh, Xenon doesn't want to be here. Her aunt picks her up, and they have a brief exchange, and then they go to get some food. Uh, and they go to this really gorgeous-looking burger spot. I was like, I want to go there. At. It looks really nice. Like, and the maybe food one, looks good, too. Maybe one of the best set pieces in the whole movie. If we're being honest. Um, so good they used it twice. Listen, it's so good that the space station set piece didn't look good. Uh, it's probably because it's a real place. Uh, probably. So they're at this burger spot and they're sitting down and Xenon has already clocked these other kids being mean and laughing amongst each other. And it's almost a replica gang to hers, except for that. It's not, there's more boys than girls in this group. And she's not the leader. And she is not in charge of it. Uh, and in charge of it is a snotty little shit named Murray. Margie. Margie. Whatever. Who's somehow worse than Xenon, attitude-wise. Well, uh, oh, yeah. Uh, and Margie has laid a territorial claim over a young lad named Greg. Uh, and Greg... Uh, is not participating in this game. Uh, as we find out later when he grows an entire spine all at once. Which is crazy. Everyone else in the gang seems to be aware of the fact that Greg is not into Margie, though. Because, yeah. like, they make jokes about how he's not into her, he's just into the car that her dad owns, and stuff like that, so... Yeah, it's it's embarrassing, really. Uh, it makes you feel bad for Margie later in the movie, but in the in the meantime, uh, she's, a she's bitch. just a little bitch. Um, so she engages in some light bullying uh, from the table, and then when her when Xenon's aunt goes to wash her hands, like a sensible human or something, uh, Margie gets up, walks over to Xenon's table, and just like throws down the gauntlet of bullying. Like, go back to your own planet levels of bullying. Uh, and Xenon, to her credit, dishes back harsher and faster. And in a, a tenacious, do not fuck with me way. Uh, and Margie does not take the hint, uh, but does take the L and accepts it straight on the chin. Uh, as her own gang immediately betrays her to think Xenon is the shit in that moment. Uh, Xenon and her aunt abandon the restaurant idea. They, oh, we also had a slow love zoom. Which uh, is why which is Mar trope. Margie gets up. Right, because Margie can see the movie from the audience perspective uh, and sees the slow zoom in on Xenon's face and the slow zoom in on Greg's face and the slow zoom in on Xenon and the slow zoom in on Greg. And then she's like, well, I can't have this. She's stealing my not boyfriend. I mean, in middle school, though, you probably don't know, but in middle school, because you were homeschooled, 
In middle school, though, that shit is real. Like, if you like a guy, even if the, you're not together, that that's your guy. No one else can like that guy. No one else can have a crush on the guy that you like. This is real. This is a real girl talk moment. If you like a guy in middle school and some other bitch starts liking the same guy, it it's immediately enemies. You are not friends with that person and they can go straight to hell. Guys, don't go to school. <laughs> the social degradation that must occur in such a dog-eat-dog scenario is astronomical. It's even the same thing like in like if friends though, like if you are the first one to lay claim to I have a crush on this boy, no one else in the friend group can have a crush on said boy. That's just girl code. At least in middle school. Girls are fucking crazy. No wonder dudes are gay now. Um They were always gay, James. Right, but now they're out about it. So what is the transfer process from space school to not space school? I don't think it'd be that hard, and here's why. Because all the teachers that teach the space school also teach the regular school. Because, like, they're holograms, right? So the, in my theory, in my head, it's just extensions of, like, the school district. Whatever school district they prescribe to. So it would just be the same as transferring from, like, one school district to another. I don't know what school therefore and also that's probably an easy way for some teachers who are criminally underpaid to make some extra money is to probably. teach some space classes like on the off hours because those hours probably also aren't the same like you're not attending school during the same time that the kids on earth are attending more than likely so you it's definitely a way for some teachers to make some extra cash is go teach some space classes in your off hours I could 100% see be that like see that being something the United States government would 100% take advantage of. So the school day starts. Okay, sorry. And Xenon uh just suffers through all of it and has to hang out with Margie the whole day. She also struggles. This is clearly She's also a, bad. This is clearly a small town and she's only ever done space school and only ever done things in space. And there's not been, it's why I think this transfer process is so shitty, because there's not been any, there's not been any accommodations made for the fact that she hasn't learned anything the same. Like, she's done all the same stuff, but it's executed differently in space. So she can't swim the same way. Uh, Margie pushes her in the pool anyways, like a bitch. And Greg dives in to save her too fast. And she's mad at everyone because she didn't even have a chance to try. I mean, when you get embarrassed, you just kind of end up mad at everyone. Well, yeah, of course you do. Um, and the teachers are practically useless. Uh, but it's a Disney Channel movie. They're supposed to be practically useless. All, all adults in Disney um, Channel movies are bad. Yeah, that's factual. Um, naturally, she has to do everything with her nemesis. Uh, science doesn't science the same way in space as it does on Earth. No, which no, no, no. Which is a no, true no. fact. No, science doesn't science the same way because Americans use Fahrenheit instead of Celsius and no one told Xenon. Right, like she learned everything differently. Yeah, but we are also 
the only people who use Fahrenheit. So really, if she even transferred from another country, that could be sure a mistake. It could be a commentary if you thought about it for more than two seconds, but the movie doesn't give you time. So, uh, also at lunch, there's fresh fruit at the public school, and I was like, just kidding, they need money. Also, Xenon's parents are broke science bitches, uh, because they didn't send her to the planet with any money, and nor did her aunt provide any money, and Greg had to roll in with a dollar seventy-five to make sure Xenon could eat an orange. And a banana. Like, that's all she got for food. Yeah, it doesn't make any fucking sense. The whole school sequence is just a wash. Um... And Greg has to come in and save her again, which doesn't help her. She's just more annoyed about it. He tries to explain that the lingo is different, and she's mad at him about that, too. She does uh, give a nice snarky line, though, about it. She's like, I, when I checked my schedule, I didn't realize, or I didn't see taking a foreign language on there and, like, storms off. A good joke, but, like, hey, Xenon, read the fucking room. You're the weird one right now, okay? Are you correct? Yes. Are you also the weird one out? Yes. Get it together. You've got a chameleon so you can get your way back onto the ship. Um, there's also just funky, weird license plates, which is a thing I noticed that doesn't matter, but I noticed it. They're future license plates. They look an awful lot like normal license plates. They're just weird. Um, How are they weird, then? Uh, the letters are all really small. <laughs> oh. That's all. It's like It's like the license plate on our aunt's car is... A normal size plate, but instead of the letters being these big blocky letters, they're just really little blocky letters in the middle. It doesn't. I, it's. Stupid. I I I love that this is something you noticed yeah. out of the whole entire movie. Uh, listen, the shots are uninspiring and boring, so sometimes I look at like random things to be entertained. Um. Okay. What? Just, there's a lot going. You even mentioned that you need to be tuned into the movie and. Right, but they almost exclusively say everything that you need to know rather than show. So, uh, the aunt has her home ransacked by Hingeman or Lutz. whatever. Yeah. Uh, and they, they're trying to find the disc that Xenon wears as an earring, uh, and they can't find it, But the, and so they don't steal anything. They just basically turn over the whole house. Because Xenon's uh, wearing the earring. And I just made a note that says capitalism, man. Uh, and so then Greg takes her on a date. And on this date, well, no. Yes, no. She tries to go, she tries to get his help to hack something because she's not a hacker. Right. And he is and she knows this question mark. I, and then I guess, but didn't they hand it off to Andrew, who is a better hacker? Eventually, but at first he's like, hey, you want to go hang out with some horses? Right. And so we take a brief interlude to do horse things, uh, in which the soon-to-be horse girl does not like horse smell. Uh, also, Greg works a job at the stable for money. Um, and we had a debate briefly about whether or not it was child labor. And then after we finished our debate, in which we decided... After we it, finished our debate and I won. Yeah, in which it was declared that it, that it was not child labor, or at least there was room for it not to be child labor, I, uh, it was immediately redirected into totally being child labor. My argument was, and I have two arguments for this one, one for the one that I didn't know was child labor, and two for the one that I do know is child labor. My first one was like, well, some kids 
uh, can like help out at the stables in order to force like housing for their horses at the stables. Like that's like a common thing. The whole saddle club show was based on it. If you can't, I still don't know what that is. It's a TV show based on a bunch of horse girls. Um, but if you couldn't afford to, if you can't afford to board your house, a lot of stables will let you do like stable work in order to board your horse. Um, and that is like a common thing that happens. It's something that you can do as even as an adult. Uh, but that was proven false when he talked about how much money he was going to need to pay make, for her exorbitant dinner cost, which she does order a lot of food. I think she orders like every entree. And in several like appetizers because she gets onion rings. Yep. Um. So my second argument is if he's fourteen, and his parents sign a permission slip, he's allowed to have a job. So okay, but is a fourteen-year-old an adult of consenting age? Can a fourteen-year-old be drafted? No. This is child labor. I listen. But it's it's a fucking moral issue, not a legality issue. Taco Bell hires at 14? Yeah, and I don't know that they ought to. Some people I okay, I need you to check your privilege. Some people need jobs at 14 to help provide for their family or they're saving up for school. Or there's a bunch of other reasons that they would need or want a job at 14. Lots of teenagers work. They run out on the tab. Oh my god. He, no, he yells for a check. Right, but then he leaves anyways. Uh, this is the part where I'm going to make a positive comment about the wardrobe department doing a good job on... Uh, the hair uh, that Xenon has, because she wears normal people hair on this Earth planet date. Uh, whereas for every scene where she has been in the space station, she's got some fucking coils coil and bullshit. space buns, yeah. and 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 they do it slow too. We talked about this in the last episode a little bit, but she uh she transitions slowly with her hair. Like it, you notice it, like kind of for lack of a better term, go flatter as she spends more time on Earth. Because the first couple of days, she's still rocking, like, her up coil top, ponytails top. and coil pigtails, and then it just slowly gets smaller. It is important to note as well that at this point in time, uh, we have not said Greg's name out loud. So we don't know what this mystery boy's name is. That we can remember. Well, they might have, and we might have missed it, but neither Maybe, of us knew what his name was. We, had we didn't know what up. his name was. Uh, and then it rains at the end of the date. They don't kiss. She gets back home safe. All is well. Uh, and then I asked a very poignant question, which is, is it a trope for Disney to use little black kids as technological wizards? Because they did it in this movie. They made Andrew a tech genius and the kid in the space station. Uh, Wade. Wade in Kim Possible. He's a African American character. Uh, Corey. Corey. There it. It's questionable. Not saying it's consistent. 
but that's at least three. There are worse stereotypes that oh, you could give sure. to oh, for sure. male children of color. Definitely. At least they're all smart. Like Yeah. yeah. I, and I'm not saying it's the worst trope you could ever do, but it's a it's a consistency thing. If it keeps happening, why does it keep happening? Why is that why is this happening? Is the question. Is there an answer to it? No. But why does this keep happening? Um also, Margie is obsessed with Gregory and the motivations are all confusing. Uh, and Andrew is the main character for the rest of the movie because Andrew provides all the rest of the plot devices to succeed. Literally. Literally, no, none of the rest of the movie can happen unless Andrew is also there. Because he unblocks her thing. He unblocks the communicator. He figures out what the disc does. He reprograms it. First of all, how bad is your fucking virus if a middle school kid can reprogram it? They probably weren't thinking it was going to be found. Like, it probably isn't that complicated of a virus because they were just going to put it in the computer and watch the space station crash. And if the space station doesn't know it's there, they're not looking for, like, a computer virus. They're looking for, like, system failures. So it probably isn't that complicated. But also, Andrew's kind of a genius, so I don't know. It's got to be a school for the gifted and talented kids, right? Like, they all are really smart about certain something. They all have to be. At, it, maybe it's a private school. Could be. We don't because know. Because Margie's parents are super high up because she mentions how, like, her parents work for the people that are in charge of the protozoa thing. And... Andrew's parents, and she has a hover limo, yeah. um, and Andrew's parents have self-driving cars. Everyone's very privileged. And clearly have a lot of tech, so maybe it's just like a rich kid's Could school. Could be a rich kid's school. Like a little bit of privilege there. Uh, Andrew declares that the space station will explode or crash down or something. Uh, the way they yada yada the virus is that it's a self-replicating virus that basically just kills whatever it's in. And... If the computer's really strong, it takes longer. So, sure, we'll t- we'll buy that. Um, Just attack system by system, basically. And then eventually, the whole concept of the ship is being crashed for insurance money is explained to an adult. And no one buys it. And they don't even admit to Xenon that they're having issues. Right, her parents get on a fa- a call, a FaceTime. It's not a FaceTime, it's the same thing, though. They get on a video call with her, and they are making pretend that everything is fine. Uh, they clearly do not even remember what Xenon was upset about before she left, uh, nor are they taking into consideration a single thing that she said, which could very well be connected to the problems they're experiencing, uh, but they're not buying that. Uh, so the adults in the movie are just front to back awful. I'm sorry, but like, okay, at first Xenon seemed crazy, but now my child is calling me from Earth with knowledge she shouldn't have, which they admit, like, how did she know the systems were failing? And they don't do a thing about it. And an explanation as to why these things are happening. For the insurance money. And and what's causing it with the virus. And they don't take for a fucking second to think huh, all this matches up. Like, maybe we should just consider it for a moment. 
No, they, they don't even consider it, which is insane to me because any rational adult in this day and age, and we're talking 2049, so that's the future day and age, any rational adult would be able to hear that information and go, oh, it's totally plausible that a rich guy who's kind of smarmy would intentionally destroy something he pays for to collect an insurance check for more money. Especially because... And it's very easily found out knowledge, apparently, that Wyndham's... Oh, yeah, they're less and less in value. So yeah, they're to, losing money, so he's trying yeah. to make a buck. Yeah, it's it's such a easy thing to understand for an adult, and no adult will understand it. They simply refuse to think with any sort of logic and reasoning, and we are led to believe that these are, like, cream of the crop, highly intelligent individuals... And I am convinced that every adult in the movie is just a fucking jackass. Even if you don't like, okay, maybe, well, the commander's not going to believe Xenon because of everything. Fine. Sure. But like then as parents, wouldn't you go, well, what if we just suggested, do you think that there could be a virus or something that's attacking the computer? And like, maybe we should have our tech team look into that. Right. Like. No, it's just terrible. It's, yeah, it's. Uh. The kids are tricked into giving, well, not really tricked, but it appears that they are tricked into giving Lutz back the disc that has the virus on it. Xenon is smart as shit. But Xenon gives him a whole other disc that they have programmed a little stink face onto. That uh, she painted with nail polish. That she painted with nail polish to look like it's the same. Um, Which is so smart. Like, Xenon is actually... Smart. She just doesn't use her intelligence in... The most productive ways. Yeah. So now the plan is they need to get in contact with Nebula so that they can find out what the uh, resupply schedule is so they can get aboard the next shuttle up to the space station so they can plug in the recoded virus so that it will kill itself and the ship will be saved. Uh... And we find out that there are no manual overrides on the launch bay or on the uh, 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 bay. It's not the fucking bay doors. It's the entrance doors to the bay. Uh, there are no manual overrides on that. So Nebula and her homie get trapped. Uh, we have the classic line from Greg as we cut back and forth and Greg starts to grow a spine and decides he wants to get into it with Xenon. Uh, where he tells her, you're not like other girls. That is the worst part of, like, that's the most cliche it's thing so that cliche. happens in this movie. It's just so, it's like, you're not, like. Did... You're not like girls from around here. Yeah, and I, I, I just like... sat there and I was like, no, Greg, you're right. She's fucking weird, dude. She's from space. She's fucking strange. She talks funny and she's got a different way of knowing things. She's weird. She's not like other girls around here. And that, of course, makes you interested in her. She's not the same old thing. Uh, Is that like a true stereotype of guys where it's just like, it's new, so it's interesting? Because that's like a, that's a trope that's played up a lot. And probably. As a girl, I want to know. Probably. I don't know. I have a short attention span, so everything is shiny and new all over again every couple of months. <laughs> all right? Like, I don't... My brain works differently, okay? I don't I can't get behind that, but it probably is a trope. If you are out there listening, 
Um, either send us a message on social media or a review on our Spotify or wherever you listen to this or on our YouTube video somewhere. Tell me, is that a thing? Are you guys just easily distracted by novelty? Ooh, it's shiny. Um, it happens in Twilight, too. Bella shows up and all the guys go freaking goo goo gaga over her. Oh, she's shiny and new. See? Uh, so Margie decides that uh, she is going to lay claim to Greg uh, and reinforce that she told Xenon to stay away from him. And Xenon's like, bitch, I got bigger problems than a boy. She's like, my family's literally Xenon's about to like, die. Everyone I know and love could explode at any moment. And I, this is so not my deal right now. And uh, Greg grows an entire spine and claws and goes, uh, Margie, we were never together. We will not ever be together. And we weren't ever together to begin with. And she tries to backpedal and is like, oh, no, maybe we can revisit this at a later time. And he goes like, no, fuck you. Uh, so that's uh, a good gas, a good laugh. Uh, they shot the movie on film uh, and I saw some film grain. That made me excited. Ah, uh, the olden days. Uh, and then they, the, we recall to the boy band thing because the shuttle takes off before they can get there. And then they recall that they can get on the boy band shuttle potentially, and hopefully it'll make it there in time. Uh, Andrew does some shit. I don't know what he does, but I just wrote a note that says Andrew's the man. Uh, oh, he fucking tries to talk his way past the guards and it doesn't work, but he tries his best. Yeah. Cause he's like, this is the winner of the contest. Yeah, he's just, Andrew's really working it. Uh, and then Xenon sneaks backstage to hang out with the guys in Microbe. After and some minor vandalism. After some minor vandalism. Uh, and the guy from Microbe recognizes her and is like, oh yeah, this is the this is the person. And she's like, we need to go to do the thing and I need your help. And he's like, well, of course I will help you because that is my job. And uh, The only good adult in the entire movie is, is a rock Protozoa. Star. Yeah, and he does rock star shit. He's also got a bacon-flavored suit on, in case you wondered what that fucking uh, pattern looks like. It looks like marbled bacon. Uh, and it's ugly as a fucking eyesore. You said eyesore. bacon-flavored, though. Yeah, because that's the note I wrote. <laughs> I, I imagine like, did he suit... mention it tastes like bacon and no, I missed it No, somewhere? but I imagine his suit tastes like bacon. <laughs> it looks like bacon. Zoom, um, zoom, the zoom. only The only cars they could afford were VW Bugs. The entire movie is filled with them. And the whole movie, um, all the adults are terrible. Uh, basically, my notes don't, they really fall off about the plot here, but the- Aunt Judy shows up. Aunt Judy shows up and makes everything harder for Xenon to try and escape onto the shuttle to go up to the space station. Uh, she manages it, and due to some slapstick comedy, uh, Wyndham and his goon get stuck in the garbage spot in the shuttle- uh, they get up to the fucking space station and all hell is breaking loose. Once again, adults simply will not listen to Xenon, uh, nor could they be even fucking bothered to pay attention to what she's saying. Nor Aunt Judy. Oh, uh, yeah. Aunt Judy also is just useless. At Aunt this Judy point. confirms like what Xenon's saying. There's another adult backing Xenon up and everyone's still like, yeah, no, fuck you. Yeah, it's Xenon. This is the point where Xenon's bad behavior has really uh, put a damper on her ability to communicate effectively. Xenon, However, in her defense, it's not like any of the fucking adults were ever listening to her to begin with. Xenon is the modern day story of the boy who cried wolf. Uh, so 
they get her friends to break her out of the yeah. commander's office yeah. where they were stuck. And they then run down to the uh the same computer mainframe door where this all started. Um meanwhile, the CEO dude Wyndham and his crony are freaking the fuck out because they know the ship's going to self-destruct. Yeah, they they weren't supposed to be up there when it went boom. Um, he wanted to kill off the rock star band as a even bigger publicity faux pas and uh, kill off the space station and get all the money from both of those. And instead, he just kind of fucks it all up. And then Xenon manages to get into the computer bay. And the adults still try to stop her. And this was the point where I went, at this point, what have you all got to lose? Right. There's like a minute left of your life. They can't solve any of the problems, so you may as well just run with the first available solution. And like, if the what's the girl going to do? Is she going to fuck it up more? Because like, you're all about to die in like 30 seconds. So Xenon plugs in the chip and then uh, Xenon probably has ADHD. Can't remember the password. Um, based on some of her character traits, actually, it would not surprise me if she did or did not have ADHD. She got that space brain. Um, yeah, can't remember the password and spends the next 30 seconds trying to enter it correctly while explaining, because then people are like, where did this all come from, Xenon? And she's like, I fucking tried to tell you 10 times, but let me tell you again while I try to remember the fucking password. You're distracting me. Thank you. Um, finally enters it at the last moment and saves the day. And then they have a Scooby-Doo-ass villain arrest where the officer in charge of arresting Wyndham and his goon just sort of crosses her arms and shakes her head admonishingly at them. Uh, Micro plays their show, uh, where Xenon dedicates a song to Greg and then... Gives up her contest. Gives up her contest winner spot to Nebula so that Nebula can dance. Uh, I don't know if you know anything about instruments in movies, but I know that that song, Zoom Zoom, doesn't have a single fucking guitar part in it, so... There were, the like, fact... three guitars on stage. Yeah, there's a bass. That had something to do with it, but I don't know if you listen to music ever, but the song doesn't have guitars in it. Uh, and so that was annoying, but it's a Disney Channel movie. Who gives a shit? Uh, they would have done better to have one vocalist, one bass, one keyboard, and a drummer. That would have been more effective. Uh... And then the movie is over, and she did it. She saved the day. Hooray. Any final thoughts about Xenon? I... Uh, Rating? Anything? I wouldn't watch it again. It's not for me. It's for preteen girls. And it's like... Give it like a... Like a Three and a half, four out of ten. It's not bad. It's not bad. You rated it higher than James and the Giant Peach? It's because it's better than James and the Giant Peach. James and the Giant Peach is like doing drugs. This movie is just like... Being in middle school? Yeah. This movie is a grade A example for adults in the world to explain their children's behavior over the past 20 years. 
Because if you look at the way Xenon behaves and you look at the way the adults behave, any rational person would watch this movie and go, oh, no wonder Xenon acts out. Everything is literally against her. All the adults are useless. All the adults, they don't do anything beneficial the entire movie. Every adult's decision that they make is negatively geared. It does something to inhibit the plot or to cause something bad to happen. Not a single adult, even those who are trying, like her aunt, succeeds in doing something beneficial to the plot. And you wonder... Protozoa does. You, well, yeah, Protozoa does, but he's a rock star. He's not a traditionally coded adult in this movie. He is a rebellious, freaky-looking rock star. I don't obey the rules. I make the rules. I poach employees. He's not a fucking... I forgot about that. He's not a fucking responsible party. Yeah, okay. He acts responsibly for Xenon, but he's not a stereotypical responsible party in the movie. And if parents, when this movie came out in fucking 99 watched it with their kids they might understand more about why kids behave in certain ways in real life when they see this as an example for how to be i mean you would say that but encanto has come out and turning red has come out as very like and it's just the same fucking movie it 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 is it's way way better but it's the same fucking it's way better but i as to the point of like parents would watch this and like go oh Maybe I should change something about the way I approach. No, no, no. Believe me, I tried. No. I think the problem is parents, when they watch movies like this, where the main character is a kid, they also try to view the movie from the kid lens. And so it's like, well, yeah, it's a fine movie, but I didn't really care for it the way you seem to. And it's like, okay, well, you watched it wrong. And there is a wrong way to watch movies like this. Because you always, always, always have to take into consideration what the main audience is. Not what the large audience is, but what the, what's the main audience? The main audience for Xenon is preteen girls. For sure. Because who are the most interesting characters in the movie? Xenon and Nebula. Who are Kirsten Storm and Raven Simone. Prolific young adult actors at the time. They weren't even young adults. They were just... They were kids. kids. They were legitimately they were kids. kids. Those are the most interesting actors in the movie, and they're the most interesting characters. So the movie is very clearly geared towards people who will relate directly to that. But that doesn't mean that you can't draw stuff from the way other characters behave. It's the same thing for Encanto. How old's Mirabelle? 18? 19? 16. No, 15. She's 15 in that movie? Yeah. Stephanie Beatrice is not 15, but... Okay. Voice acting is different. Voice acting is different. But if Mirabelle's 15, then it's the same fucking thing. She's a 15. Where adults don't listen, and they shush away problems, and it bites them in the ass. And the way for an adult to watch that movie is to watch it and go, maybe I should pay more attention. But instead of that, adults watch it, and they go, oh, that was pleasant. So there's... The movie we should require adults is, to do book reports. The movie is mid at best. 
it's bad at worst, but it's not the fault of anyone in particular. I think it's probably a really good story that had the terrible misfortune to be Disney executived down to a DCOM original movie. I mean, it's a fun story. I think it would have been great as a two-hour theatrical release with a much more prolific adult cast and maybe a much more serious director. And a more big, a bigger budget. And a bigger budget. The the movie itself would have benefited from being a theatrical movie with the funding for it. But it got remanded to Disney Channel Original Movie Hell. And so a, what, a movie that could have been a gem, maybe not like a huge hit, but like a cult classic probably, really took an L. And it's the fault of no one who worked on it. I will say too, and this is kind of where we'll probably wrap up is this line of thought and conversation is there was a time and I don't know why we should probably do a psychological study because people probably already have there was a time in the early 2000s and I am thinking about this because I'm just rewatching Code Lyoko my favorite show was Codename Kids Next Door when I was like in late elementary middle school where adults were villainized in a way like and it's it's a trope that's slowly fading because I think people are working through some of the trauma as to why that was depicted that way. And that's how we get movies like Encanto and Turning Red. But there was a time where adults were the bad guy. And I think a lot of that is because... Gen for- X wrote the movies about boomers. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, it's it's really easy to read the trends in art based on who made the art. Like, you watch these things from the early 2000s and the late 90s where adults get villainized and kids are the heroes, and you look back at who made it, and it's Gen Xers who are in their mid-20s to late 20s to early 30s even, yeah, who grew up under the iron-fisted regime of baby boomers who were fresh out of uh, a time where they were handed a lot. They had to work for some, for sure, but they were handed a lot because their parents wanted the best for them. And so they, in turn, try to do that, but they do it wrong, just like every generation does. We're going to fuck it up with our kids. It's how it works. Oh, I, there are already studies coming out about Gen Alpha. It's already fucked, guys. But you, you don't need to perpetuate it if you can read it and look at it and see it. And we're doing a better job as millennials working in writing and producing this art and this content to to make it better, where you see things like Turning Red and you see things like uh, Encanto, where the, the adults are villainized but then made whole at the end. The adults are validated. And what I do like about Encanto and Turning Red is that it shows multi-generational comparisons because you have a ch- you have a younger generation, you have the middle generation, and you have the eldest generation all represented. And who are the worst adults in Turning Red and Encanto? It's what it would it's what would be the it's the grandparents the grandmother in turning red is 
insane person. Um, but it shows it. It it's they, putting. They a... explain why though. Yeah, is the thing they they go through and they explain. Oh, you're terrible to me, but you don't understand that you are that way, and it's because of what happened to you, and you're just painting me in that light, and that's not. You know, welcome to therapy on City Wave Cinema. It the new movies that a lot of people think are bad aren't watching them correctly. And I, you know, art is subjective. You can look at it however way you want and you can take away from it what you want. But when stuff is as on the nose as those particular stories and lessons where you can't deny that there's things there, you, you can look at art wrong. You can look at art incorrectly and it will lead to you not having as enriching of an experience with it as you could have had. And it leads to people disliking art. And that's a shame. Because art's the shit. Go watch more movies. (laughs) All this to be said, be better in the future. Thank you. And good night. (laughs)